Hey everyone, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello. This is possibly our last podcast of the season. Obviously, um, I will do one more to kind of wrap everything up, and we'll obviously have the playoff matchups. There will be podcasts in the offseason. Uh, I will have managers come on. Um, for those of you who are in our little mini group chat, I won't say mini, there's 30 people in there, um, but... For those who are in there, you've seen that I'm asking managers to come on the podcast. I want to talk about what happened last season. As we get ready for next season, I have a manager I talked to that didn't necessarily come on the podcast, but I did talk to him. Um, I'll get into that in the D2 part of the podcast. And it's basically just just come on here, talk about things. Where do you think things are going? Um, we could just have a quick conversation. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular, but we will have things like that go on even into the offseason as we get ready to play FIFA 20, um, how your guys will be affected by the new game and the update, etc., etc. Now, there are some things to get to. I'm going to catch everyone up on the division standings, what's going on, who's going up, what is guaranteed, what's not. I'll get into all that. Listen, we missed out on the Manager of the Month awards, and that's a little bit to do with me as far as that goes. I just got kind of lazy and I just felt like this is the end of the season. Guys aren't really focused on that right now. Uh, but I did talk to a couple of the guys. We're going to try and do better next season. We, we kind of were lackadaisical on that. But right now it's time to get everyone fired up for the team of the year or team of the season, player of the season, manager of the season. So start thinking about those things on the next podcast I do. I am going to be getting us prepared for what is the season of or the season that was, and we'll get ready for all those things, how they factor in, how I'm going to factor in the team I choose. I'll do that on the following podcast, mostly because I feel like there's still enough time left and I still need to sit down and kind of go through who I believe is your guys' respective award winners. I'll have different awards that I'll give out throughout the season, just coming from the podcast and what I think uh, should be given out in our fun my funky little awards. Obviously, the other guys, we might have a different opinion on team of the season, of all these other things. So stay tuned for all of that. I'll keep you guys in the loop as much as I can. As for now, this is the San Pedro FIFA League podcast for this week. I don't know if I'll do one next week, but look forward to, uh, to it. I will let everyone kind of know, depending on what content I have and what I'm doing. Other than that, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Let's go. All right, so let's jump into D2 to start this podcast and it, to give you some semi-breaking news result. Young boys with a win today against Lyon, 5-1 to one Vardy Hattrick sends young boys into D1. They are officially 19 points up now uh, once the league records this game ahead of uh, PSG. That is more than enough to push them into D1 next season automatically. Ronnie, I did talk to him. Uh, he hopes he can win the title. Listen, he'll be... He'll be three basic win, uh, basically three wins um, ahead of these other two teams in Arsenal and Celtic, who sit behind him in the standings. Let's talk about those standings really quickly. Young boys with 28 games played, now 29, so they'll have 59 points with that 5-1 win. They'll have 87 goals to their name. This electric offense um, pretty much has been... Pretty honestly, the best team in the league attacking-wise. And of recent, their defense has started to take over and they've become one of the best defenses in the league. They'll now have 41 goals allowed, which is second best in the league. Uh, but we have to believe that Celtic will give up some goals, even if they win their next three games. 
However, it doesn't matter. Ronnie's 42 goal difference. Even if these teams tie, you have to think that he is going to be the favorite to win this thing. He is, and I, I talked to him, he, he thinks this is a key for him going into next season in D1. He's officially in, so congratulations to Ronnie. Celtic and Arsenal, just a little bit of business to do. A point should do it, maybe even two points, maybe a couple ties, and or just one win each from each side will officially eliminate Josh from that third spot, and that will we'll have our top three. So congratulations to the top three, because I think they're going to go in anyways. I think Arsenal-Celtic will get a result. If Josh just ties, he can't qualify. He's not going to be able to make up the points in enough time. However, we still have a very weird battle for fifth for the fifth spot. Because Josh is not safe by any stretch of the imagination from where he is sitting. PSG, on 40 points, have played 26 games. And right below him in the fifth spot, Fiorentina have played 23. Funny thing about Fiorentina, they are just one point behind PSG. Now, Josh came into the season as the favorite by many, including myself. And a lot of these, the three teams ahead of him, well, they've turned the head on that. I thought Celtic were going to be a top three team. They've proven that. But Arsenal and Young Boys have exceeded expectations. And they will continue to do so, I believe, next season as well in D1. As for PSG and Fiorentina, they have to hold off Bayern Munich, Benfica, and yes, even Michael Ossick's Atlanta United. Atlanta United currently, they are at the 8th spot below everyone. They're on the outside looking in with 25 games played with 32 points. But Benfica beating Fiorentina, I believe it was last week or this weekend, gives Benfica a more realistic chance to catch PSG than they do Fiorentina. Now, Fiorentina, there's no points guaranteed clearly in this league. And Bayern Munich are just sitting right there hoping for a result. Now, Fiorentina and Munich do have the best chances to pass PSG with the less amount of games played. Now, Fiorentina has three games on, on hand on Josh, whereas Bayern Munich has two. So, everyone has a chance at this moment. Yes, Munich can jump them. I do think they're going to get in. I hate to admit it, but I... I said it on a couple podcasts ago, I do think Josh is going to bow out of this, and I don't think he's going to have much of a say. He scored 60 goals. That's the fourth best in the league. But right now, it's not going to matter. He's also allowed 50 goals on the year. And if you're looking at the teams right below him, Munich and Benfica have not gone over uh, 50 goals allowed on the season. And if you look at their next two games, uh, which I'll get to in a bit, it doesn't look like they're going to go over. No matter how good the opponents are, I just don't think they'll go over. And you have to be honest with yourselves, right? If you're, if you're taking this in and you're listening to this podcast regularly, you know how I feel about this fit spot. This fit spot is not going to be easy to get. But the crazy part is, is that the fourth and fifth spot are still available because of how good the top three have been. They've kind of only kind of beaten each other. Whereas teams outside of that, I'd say maybe Fiorentina's gotten a couple good results. I'm sure guys below there have gotten a couple ties here and there, but it hasn't been significant amount of wins against the top three um, that are really helping anyone in this situation like normally if you look at d1 and i'll get to them later in the podcast you look at how good some of those guys are at the top they kind of beat each other and then there's chris right it's not an indictment that one guy's just better that season whereas it's more of an indictment that no one could crack the top four right so in this situation we have guys that are automatically going to go up so these three are the best this season but normally you get like a fourth guy who's just like not good enough to get in the top three, but better than everyone else. We don't have that this season. PSG are literally one, I'd say they're, they got one hand 
at safety and it's slowly slipping away. So let's take a look at what they got coming up because it's going to matter, right? Because now we're, the games are going away. They do have to play Benfica. They have to play Bayern Munich, but they do get two softies. Now, Lyon's defense is no joke. They will come to play defense. I really think that that's going to be the, pos the position that Josh has put himself in to where he's going to have to go out and win games. Maybe two wins. If he gets a result against Benfica, I think he knocks them out, helping his chances. But if he loses to Munich or even ties to Munich, you have to think that that's only going to help the teams below. Josh is going to have to go on a run. He does get City. They've allowed a lot of goals, but... Mike will play up to the game, and that's going to be something you got to worry about with Josh and PSG. If we see the best of Dost and Bale in that game, I'm not going to like Josh's chances. I think he's a good FIFA player. But when Mike plays up to his, uh, to his opponents, and he does this often in games where he knows his opponent has to get wins, it could be bad. And yes, Mike might want to end the season, but he also will know the influence he can have on this playoff race. I just I think this is a scary schedule. It's a very trap-worthy schedule. You know, you say that a lot in college football, but this is it right here. Leon and City could be trap games. Thinking I can go in there and get results. He's coming off a 2-2 tie with Benfica earlier in the season, right? There's no guarantees that Josh is going to be able to outscore Benfica in this game. Coming off a 4-1 victory for themselves against Fluminense or uh, Fiorentina. Right, So you already have a team that's able to score goals, is getting a little hot. They know they have an outsider's chance to get the top five. We don't know what's going to happen. These games are going to be interesting. Obviously, Munich, if you look at that from their perspective, PSG are in their way. They have to win no matter what. You know, Fiorentina could kind of sit there and be like, let me just get my games in. I'll get to them in a bit, obviously. But like, if we're looking at the teams directly that have a chance, like I'm not going to put Atlanta United in this just yet. You know, If Mike gets another result and everyone else kind of crumbles... Then I'm like, all right, Atlanta United might get in. But right now I think the four you're really looking at, Benfica, PSG, Munich, and then, of course, Fiorentina. But because PSG has a direct line to play both Benfica and Munich, he can literally knock off his competition and push himself into the playoff. But like I've said in the past, I just don't think that Josh is going to get and be able to hold on. I think Benfica will get a result in that matchup, and I do think Luis has the momentum. And I hate that word because... Things can change so fast, uh, so much quicker, right, when, you, when you're playing game to game. Um, opponents don't necessarily match up with your style, and especially in FIFA, right? So this is, when you're playing games so far apart, things, anything literally can happen, but I'm going to back Benfica and Munich, along with Leon and City, to give Josh maybe his toughest games of the season. He might lose uh, some years on his life playing these four games. Let's get on to Fiorentina, because they're important in all of this. Because what Fiorentina do is they hold something very important. They hold the key to all this. Now, I don't know why, but these games have not been made up. And maybe they still need to be played. And I think that's what's going on. There's still a Munich matchup with Fiorentina. And I don't know if the league's going to exalt that matchup to a tie. I hope not. I hope they still have to play. Atlanta United and Fiorentina still play. And that's a home game for Mike. He's played a lot better at home this year compared to on the road. That's where he's got a majority of his wins. So, of course, he's going to relish playing at home, and it could be a nice result. That is the game that Mike needs to win to get back at Fiorentina and kind of knock one of the guys off in those four and five spots. However, Fiorentina don't have necessarily the easiest schedule. They will play Lyon and City, just like PSG will. But 
See, the thing is, is they also get Atletico Madrid, who of late have not been in good form. Robert will attest to that, but they do get Celtic and Munich along with that. So, yes, he may be playing four teams at the bottom, but he's got Munich twice. And I, and I hope the league makes them play those two games because I, I think it's very important that him and Luis play. And maybe it's just someone missed it. Uh, but on the website, I am not seeing that result. So I, I haven't seen it. Either way, both those games are going to matter so much to the future of these clubs and where they go. I am backing both of those teams, Munich and Fiorentina, to go up over PSG. But because these two teams play each other, if they if one uh, result is lopsided, Fiorentina wins both games or Munich wins both games, uh, Martin could potentially be in trouble along with Luis. Now... I'm not sure how I feel about this because for the entire season, I feel like we backed Benfica, right? Just because I have to talk about every team in this race, I'm going to give Benfica a little bit of their due here. They've had their chances. And Jalant will be probably the first guy to admit he's kind of messed up his whole season. Was at the top of the table in the first month, dropped all the way to the bottom half of the table in the second month, evened out in the third. And here we are, right? The months after that, it's been up and down all season. But of recent, a few wins, a big win against Fiorentina. And now Benfica have a chance to go, barring some results going their way. They do control themselves against PSG. But where they have the issues is that they have to play the same amount of games as Josh. So if that PSG result doesn't go well for Jalant, He's only got three games to really get it together. Atlanta United won't be a tough game, or won't, well, won't be an easy game, excuse me. It's going to be a tough environment, even being at home. You know, some people do or feel affected by the crowd when they play road games in FIFA. It's not the same, not at home. Well, listen, it's going to factor in. Um, but this is also a rivalry game. And if Mike loses a couple games, or let's say he loses... Uh, to Fiorentina, he may feel, whatever, I'm out. Let's ruin Jalant's chances, and you, your ass is going to stay down here in D2 with me. Not to mention Jalant has to play Celtic. Benfica also have to play Atletico Madrid, a team they have not done particularly well against. Um, but there's a chance there for Jalant to just improve his chances. If he gets those big wins against PSG and Celtic, gets a result against Atlanta United, and does what he's supposed to do at Atletico Madrid in a perfect world, if he takes all 12 points... He might go up into that playoff spot, but it's looking very unlikely. I don't think Josh and I don't think Dre are guys that are going to allow a team in seventh place to kind of hurt their chances because Dre can still win the league title. That means something to him. He knows he's going to go up with the result. He may not need one at that point, so it may not matter. But I can't imagine Dre doesn't try and shoot for a league title knowing that any slip by Ronnie could affect Ronnie in points, but I just think where everything's turning, it's going to take all of Celtic and Arsenal to win their games to have a chance. And I think that if Dre is still in it, watch out Jalant because he's been that good defensively and you have to kind of worry about that attack at times on the counter. It's going to be interesting games. We have a few games left. Some people have four, some people have six games left. And of course, like I said, in the next podcast, I will get to all the D2 guys. I'm going to talk about primarily kind of wrap up the season for most of the teams because by that time, the season will be over with. So that's when the next podcast will come out is when the season ends. I will talk about what happened. 
I'll get into all the results, all the player of the season things, who I think was the best player in D2. I will talk about all that. As for now, let's take a break. We'll get to D1 after the break, but just so you guys know, we are adding teams to D2. If you know anyone, get that guy or girl involved now. Don't wait, because we're going to get a break. They'll have a chance to add players, do whatever they need to do. Don't wait right before the season. Do not make it harder on the board members. That being said, we'll take a break. All right, D1 enthusiasts, let's get to this second part of the podcast, and we'll get you guys going with who leads in goals, because it's not very close. I, I guess that we can just crown Ronaldo now, because I don't think Kai Havertz has enough games, or nor do I think that Evan has the ability to just score with him 14 times to tie Ronaldo. But Ronaldo right now, 55 goals. He leads the way. He adds eight assists on the season. Havertz in second, 41 goals with 11 assists. Lukaku with 40. He is easily the best surprise of the season along with Havertz. Messi up to 30 goals. He's in fourth. And Wissam Ben Yedder of LAFC with 26 goals rounds out your top five. On to six, we got Balotelli and Kane tied there with 24 goals. In eighth is Aubameyang of Wolverhampton Wonders with 23, 21 for Gabriel Jesus of Manchester United, and we got a tie for 10th with Immobile and Callum Wilson of Augsburg and Real Madrid respectively with 20 goals. Now, you have to say, as you look at this lineup of these 10, 11 spectacular players in the league, how many of you would have thought that guys like Ben Yedder, Mario Balotelli, Callum Wilson... Hell, Lukaku, Kai Havertz would be guys we're talking about this year. I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't think that we were going to be blown away by guys that, well, frankly, they're good players in real life, but many people didn't really know how to use them in the game. So pay attention to those things in the future, I think, is something I I guess I'm trying to say is even if you don't think a guy is going to be able to do something You never know what he's going to do when he ends up on a certain club. Because clearly Evan, and I I talked to Evan at the beginning of the year, and I guess I'll spill the beans. I told him, if you want success after he was out, knocked out of that VT Cup, I told him, push Kai Havertz up the pitch. He's not, he can't carry your team defensively. He's not good enough to do that. He's an attacking player. Use him where he's best. The guy turns around and goes and gets 41 goals. Now, Evan scoring the goals, I didn't. I just told him what to do tactically. He stuck with it. He trusted it. I'm fine with that. Evan, sorry, I had to spill the beans on that. Because I was getting questions by people that were like, whoa, how is he doing this? And then I forgot who asked me. I can't remember off the top of my head. They just come up, they, we were talking about the league and someone goes, man, how did he know to play Havertz there? And I'm sitting there like, fuck, I don't want to be the guy. But I waited till the last, like one of the last podcasts of the season. And, you know, and obviously... Evans had to have that pressure, right? Once Havertz got to like 20 goals, I can feel the pressure for Evan to score more. But because he's in that position and he's so good with Havertz, it didn't matter who told him what to do, right? The fact that he was up there and putting in the goals is all credit to Evan. Let's not forget, though, Romelu Lukaku is also another guy that I don't think many of us would have seen as an impact player. Houston are literally surviving on Lukaku alone. He's probably going to go into the AG Hall of Fame of players for FIFA. That's not a doubt to me. 
Let's move on to our assist leaders, Douglas Costa, still at the top with 21. Nicolas Pepe, along with Mohamed Salah of Chelsea, both with 20. They are tied for second. Timo Werner in fourth of Manchester United with 18. What a season he's had. He's also added 19 goals on the year. If he gets to 20 and 20, he might be Manchester United's player of the year. Paulo Dybala of Chelsea with 17. He's in fifth. Eriksen in sixth, along with Lorenzo Insigne of rival Liverpool. Felipe Coutinho in eighth with 15. He's tied with Luka Jovic of, one, uh, of Wolverhampton Wonders. In tenth is Jao Felix of Olympic Lyonnais. And same thing with this list, right? I didn't think Jao Felix was going to be needed like this, but he looks like he's going to have a 15-15 season, which is always impressive. Everyone on this list, outside of Douglas Costa, has double digits, assist, and goals, and some potentially could go 20 and 20. Right? Werner, Pepe, are favorites to easily do that. Luka Jovic, who has a strong ending, may, might creep into that 2020 range. But once again, Felipe Coutinho, 15 15 season. And Senior in his first year with Liverpool, 15 15. Christian Eriksen again, and he's a perennial guy, right? Everyone knows Aaron has this guy, yet he ends up dominating statistically every year. Paulo Dybala, we knew joining a juggernaut like Chelsea, he would make an impact. 17 and 11. And I don't think we talk enough about Manchester United since the first two months. Timo Werner and Gabriel Jesus have been fantastic, and they are clearly the Aubameyang, Lacazette pairing that you see in real life. But in this case, in the video game, right, they're just so good together. They literally need each other. Obviously, Pogba's on loan, so what they're doing right now is even more impressive that they're still getting statistical uh, importance, right? And I got to say, I'm not really surprised by Salah or Costa having good seasons. The guy I'm most impressed with is Nicolas Pepe. And it's not because Serge and I are good friends. It's mostly because I didn't see Pepe as a guy that, even in the game, I knew he's fast as a guy who's going to score, right? He's attacking positioning off the ball. He's not very good. But because of America's counter-attacking and the way they hold possession, those wingers are very important. And the fact that he's gotten 20 assists is impressive on its own. But also the fact that he's got 18 goals should definitely put him up, not only as the best player on Copa Medica's team, but potentially up for player of the season. I know, guys, I spent a lot of time on these stats and talking about these individual players, but that's something that you guys got to start thinking about because as we get towards the end of the season, we have end-of-the-season awards, and I went really hard one year, and I was super happy. We had, like, a big party, and I went super hard on all the funny awards that I can come up with and do stupid things and I you know we used to do articles so I used to type them out you know with the podcast now it's going to be a little bit funnier when I'm reading these out because I have some really good ones I hope that you guys enjoy I will talk to some managers just so you guys know before I get into these to the clubs themselves and where we're going to see these playoff matchups and who's going to play who and do I think they'll win before we get to that serious business the fun stuff is coming up right? We have a lot of fun stuff. So think about it. Costa Pepe, who's better? Salah Werner, Dybala, Erickson, Insignia, continue. Keep those names glued on. I'm going to come around. I'm going to ask, who is your player of the season? And if I, you know, if I keep getting the same guys, um, obviously that person will have the best chance of winning. Um, I thought I'd just like to say this now. This is how it's going to go just before I even jump into it. For D2 and D1, 
the board will have their own vote, and then they'll, they'll be asked as managers as well. So they're basically going to count for, for both. They can vote differently each time, but they will basically get a value of two. If you work on anything in the league, your value will be two, just so you know. Right? So if you contribute, it's a value of two. If you don't, basically what's going to happen is I'm going to ask you for your player that you think on your team is the best and who you would like to nominate. And then I'm going to ask you for a player outside of that. So basically that's how it's going to go. And then I'm going to ask for manager of the season, who you think that is, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can factor a lot of different things in the, into those manager awards, by the way. It's not just wins, titles. It could be moves that they made. It could be expectations beaten. I know Barcelona and, and uh, United will be looking that way. Um, and even Liverpool, I think the season they've had, Wolves have had a good season. I think you'll look at managers that way. And maybe even surviving might be something that you guys factor in. If you don't, I'm sure wins will go a long way. I mean, Chris hasn't necessarily been rewarded the best, but that'll be something I debate with a lot of you, <laughs> you know, as we come towards that. Anyways, that's how it's going to go, right? Just so you guys know that it's not bias. I know many of you are going to be upset that People who do things for the league get two votes. But listen, some of that work is not easy. And I just truly feel that to incorporate their hard work, they deserve a double vote. So that's just something you know. If you want to help, hey, you know who the board members are. Um, it's very clear cut. If you have something to contribute, contribute. You'll have more of an influence when it comes to these things. No one's making any uh, you know, transfer funds for this. So it's just all in good fun. Let's hop into the standings for D1 and get your guy, get you guys into the understanding of where we're going to be come this playoff. Let's start at the top. You got Chelsea with 86 points. They have a game in hand on Augsburg. And if you haven't been paying attention to what Chelsea's done in their 34 games, they've scored 113 goals for, and they've only allowed 34. That is a goal difference of 79 goals and as much as I hate to admit it, Chris and Chelsea have shattered the single-season record. They are now the holders of that. They might hold that for a while. Having Cristiano Ronaldo score 55 of those goals along with eight assists, they've clearly sent the benchmark for what a winning season is. 27 total wins, 13 on the road. They've only lost one time at home and on the road. They've drawn more on the road, three draws to two at home. They have won one more game at home, but listen, at home, only 13 goals allowed at Stanford Bridge, which is now becoming fortress. I am just glad that I am one of those people that can say, if I'm playing at Stanford Bridge, I feel really comfortable there. And yes, I'm taking shots at Chris because I won't have to play him for two seasons. So just know that that's a, that place is a fortress. You go and play Chelsea at home. You got to deal with Ronaldo in the crowd. It is a scary place to go. Speaking of scary defenses to play, Augsburg in second, 35 games played. They've done a tremendous job to keep this race tight. And if Chris does slip, Eve, uh, they're going to have to slip a few times. Augsburg are right there to pounce. 82 points. Listen, a 35-goal difference, 69 goals to 34 allowed. They haven't been the best offense in the league by any stretch of the imagination. But tied for the second-best defense isn't bad either. And the fact that Roman is coming off a 
down season, I'd say, for him, the fact that he's been able to bounce back and make it, make it known that he is the second-best team in this division. Now, he has been okay at home. Three losses at home coming against big bigger teams. He lost one notably to Leon 2-1. But 13 wins, that's impressive to go with 13 on the road. Three ties, two losses. And it's pretty even both ways with the goals allowed. 17 home and away. So I'm just, I'm putting out these stats to you because of how important it is. And you guys may not think it's important home and away, but it matters apparently based off your records. Uh, Medica, Barcelona right there in three and four. Leon in fifth. Liverpool sneakily have gotten into the sixth spot. They do have a game in hand on Wolves and Juventus, so they can push even further up the table. A victory would send them the 60 points currently on 57. Wolves in seventh, Juventus eighth. Ninth is LAFC. They do have three games in hand on the teams in seventh and eighth. They'll look to use those to propel them forward. Manchester United with in 10th place with 31 games played, 45 points, 42 points for Real Madrid in 11th, just behind Pieris United. In 12th is Houston Dynamo, 36 games played. They are holding on for dear life, 37 points. This is one of those things where, remember, I talk about how good are you at home and away. Listen, Dynamo have lost 12 games at home, 11 on the road they've lost. It's not been a good season. They've lost 23 games. They are holding on for dear life. However, the teams below them, AC Milan, Nacional, and 13th and 14th, I think have the best chance. They're just a point behind with 36 each. A team that's also slipped as well, Tottenham Hotspur in 15th. This is familiar territory for this team. It looked like they weren't going to touch this area after a 20-loss season last year. But, fun fact, on the road, only four wins for Tottenham this year. Seven ties, so they've been able to get points. However, they've allowed 30 goals on the road. That is in the bottom tenth of uh, in the bottom half of the table as far as goals allowed on the road. They've lost five times there as well. Kashima Antlers and Borussia Dortmund are the 16th and 17th teams right now. They are currently in the playoff positions. Kashima Antlers have been torrid. However, on the road, they are feast or famine. Five wins, which is the best out of any team from 14th to 17th. It's it's not the best stat to be around, but it's a decent one. I mean, let's be fair. Ryan has the same road wins as Juventus do, and look how good they've been. But 10 losses, and that's been the factor. 44 goals allowed. That is the worst out of teams in the bottom half of the table. There is something that needs to be improved for this Kashima team if they want to survive. Now, there is a great chance that Dynamo go into that playoff game because of the games in hand from everyone there. But... The 74 goals allowed between Kashima and Dortmund, both have allowed 74, is alarming. And the fact that Dortmund have not been able to score, yes, recently, they have been able to keep themselves in games. It looks like these two teams are not going to be able to push their way past anybody ahead of them. Now, I did go into detail about who's going to get promoted. So you'd think I'd do the same for these bottom or these D1 bottom half teams. And I guess. I, it's hard to talk about mediocrity, mediocrity, excuse me, but, but it doesn't really matter, right? Dortmund and Kashima, if you play them and you're a D2 team, I don't think you're going to win anyways, right? Like even if Dynamo have to play Jalan and play Benfica, I just, I don't think so. The D1 players at the moment have this luckiness to them in the sense that they've had, you know, you look at Ryan's team, they've been around for a while. They have... Squad depth, they have ability. Over two games, you got to back them. 
Wayne, same thing. He's been in the playoff before. It didn't necessarily go well against Tottenham, but that's experience. Those are top 80 overall players that are going to give you trouble, and defenses have not gotten better as we come to the end of the season in D2. There's been more four-goal games than there ever has been all season. So it doesn't even matter if I tell you the rest of the road. I think AC Milan, Atletico Nacional, and Tottenham will all survive. Tottenham have three games to improve their positioning over Kashima and two over Dortmund. And no offense to Porto or Newcastle, you're not getting out. Newcastle's already been automatically relegated at this point. They're not going to catch in points. Porto have a chance, but it's, it's not looking likely. They would have to go on a, a miraculous run to get to a, just a playoff spot and push Dortmund down. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at Kashima, Dortmund, or Houston Dynamo to play in the playoff. And I got to say, all three of those to me would be favorites. So I don't think if you're a D2 team, don't take that harshly, right? I mean, because that race down there is fun. Bayern Munich sizes up well against Dortmund, I would think. And just because the natural rivalry there with the teams, Luis might play up to Wayne. But like I said, you're looking at the defenders for Wayne. They're, they're, they're top guys. They're, they're good enough to hold out against these D2 attacking players. Now, if I was saying that, oh, Ronnie, with a chance to play one of these guys, I think it would be closer because of how Ronnie fared against America in some of those games in the FA Cup, you would kind of look at it as, okay, Ronnie might have a chance. By the way, wouldn't it be totally cool if we did like a Super Cup thing where like the winner of D1 had to play winner of D2? Like, I, I think that would be really funny. Like, just a cool little fun tippet game. Like, if you wanted to have a preseason, right? Like, just have that be the opening game. Like, the Super Cup of the league, right? I, I know I'm trying to find competitions for people to win, and people are probably going to hate me for that. Or like a Community Shield. Right, like the FA Cup winner plays the, the winner of D1, right? So, you know, I guess in this case, don't, you know, you have that. You're like, oh, you have a community shield. Like, oh, Chelsea plays um, Club America in, two, in a two-game thing, and they play for, like, a mill. Like, you know, it's just a mill. It, it, it doesn't hurt anyone. That would be pretty cool, right? You know, I thought about that the other day. I seen, by the way, 43 people have listened to that podcast uh, that I proposed league change there. Right. And uh, I'm telling you, so many people listen to that. I was blown away. So that's thanks to you guys. Don't get me wrong. But 43 people listen to a change in the league. And I don't know the extent of that. Like I said, last podcast, I know a couple people from my, my, you know, that play Madden have talked to me about the league and how it works and this and that. And they were kind of like, whoa, very structured, very organized. 43 people listen to that. Maybe that's seriousness, but if that's the case, I think that would be cool, right? You have Chelsea because they won D1. They deserve a little bit of extra credit, you know? So they get a chance to play maybe a community a mini Community Shield or a D1 Super Cup, whatever you want to call it. Come up with a cool trade, uh, you know, uh, landmark here in Pedro and give it a funny, cool name, right? Just because we're sticking on the Pedro theme with the Vincent Thomas Cup. You know, and you have a Super Cup. You start the season, you get people to go on to Twitch, right? You get all this encouragement of, here's our league, this is our showcase game to start the season, and then we roll into the VT Cup. Like, I don't know how people feel about that. I like the whole idea of the VT Cup being the opener, but there's too many teams and it's not a deliberate, like, hey, this is what we're about. I think if you were to put solid teams against each other, whether it's a two-leg or a one-game, and you're just like, hey, this is, this is the San Pedro FIFA League. These are two teams are won our most illustrious cups. Let's let them get the season going on for you guys. Now, 
let's be real. Chelsea have been fantastic this season. I just really want to see a rematch between those two teams in a final. You know, I just, you know, no offense to Liverpool. They were, they were great in that FA Cup run over the course of the season. But Chelsea and America were, was the game um, that everyone wanted to watch. So I would like a repeat of that. I'm pretty sure Chris would like some revenge in that as well. But that's pretty much all I have for you guys today <laughs> or this week. I will, like I said, try and keep it as updated as I can. I will dig around for transfer rumors um, because not all rumors, by the way, are just from the teams. If I get info, sometimes a couple people know things. If you want to be that anonymous person, please drop me a DM. It's that simple. I will gladly investigate. I will ask these teams. I'll see what's going on. You know, I have a couple rumors, but I cannot say them as the managers did not go on record to talk about them yet. So I got to withhold on those. Um, but this is my, one of my favorite times of the year. I know business end of the, of the season, some people take it too seriously or they're like, I'm out and they don't care. But this season we've had a genuine care for the end of the season so far. There's been some good results here and there. You got to be happy about what happened in D2 this year, guys. I, I don't think anyone could be upset at what we've had in D2. I just, I just don't. Like, I almost feel like D2 has given confidence to D1's stability. That new teams will come in and give a breath of fresh air every season. And, you know, I'm going to talk to, to the commissioner and, and Pierre as the other board member about this season and what their thoughts are. And I'm going to ask about D2, and I'm curious to what they have to say. I'm sure it's good things. But D2 has really come around, and even though we had a lack of people down there, I'm so I'm so excited based off what D2 has done this year. I'm so excited to join it. Like I'm just I'm happy that D2 is going to be here. As for D1, it's remained as Chelsea's world and we're just living in it. Another good season. Listen, one point loss last year. They felt guilty. They knew that this season they had a lot to prove. And they did it. And whether they win the league by 1 point or 5. It doesn't really take the effect out of how good they were this year. The fact that they only have two losses. They've tied five times. That means teams have only gotten, what, 11 points from this Chelsea team all season? And if Chelsea can get to 30 wins, they'll break the wins record. You know, so there is a lot of history going on in our league right now in front of you. I hope you guys really appreciate it. And just like I appreciate you guys, like I said, 43 people listened to that podcast that was out, I believe it was last month, and or at the beginning of the month, and or beginning of September, excuse me. And listen, you guys did a great job uh, putting in that effort and everyone wanting to listen to it. I hope you guys continue to listen to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast with yours truly. I am thankful enough to produce this. I'm thankful enough to have created this and kind of give us a different perspective on the league. And I hope that you guys continue to enjoy it as we look towards the offseason. Managers, look for me to DM you. If I haven't, send me who you think is your player of the season, your manager of the season. I will add other questions as we're talking to other little gimmicky awards. Uh, maybe surprise player of the year, uh, best young player. So if uh, that one's going to be for sure talked about, uh, I'm going to do the age of 23 and down as best young player. I will look at their stats, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
And same thing with D2, we'll do the same thing. So for all you D1 guys and D2 guys who are managing in this league, send me it. If there is an outside vote by any chance, if someone just listens to this podcast and is just a fan of the San Pedro FIFA League, be my guest. If you keep up with the league and you know what's going on in the league, send me your votes. I will factor those in. Um, as for that, that's all I have for you guys this week. I will try and be back next week when the season ends. So it may not be a Wednesday um, I believe there's a 31st to this month. I'm pretty sure there is. Um, I don't know why. I think it's something about a holiday. And I will have it ready for you guys in November. That'll be the next podcast. Is the first or second. I'm not particularly sure yet. And I will catch you guys up on everything here in October. The season will be over by then. We'll officially be crowning champions. Yada, yada, yada. I'll catch you guys up on all those things. Until then. I'm Jorcello. Thank you guys so much for listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Goodbye.